0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
1: What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name's Kent Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory kicking off your Monday with a little mailbag edition, as we like to do. Answering all your questions, giving you guys all a chance to participate in the show. And uh, we got three people participating here in the show, ourselves here. First, find them on Twitter at Chief in Carolina, Maddie Lane.
2: How was your weekend? Well, I do now know what it would be like if I was a weekend lumberjack for a living. I spent all weekend finishing cutting down trees that had fallen during an ice storm and hauling them all around my yard at one point in time just out of anger i just yelled about how sean wade might be slower than damon arnett and (laughs) brian hartline came out of the tree line and just smacked me in the cheek so i now have a, a near shiner on the right side of my face just because i'm slandering ohio state into the open air and uh besides that i mean my weekend was good Tiring, but good. I'm doing good. Craig, how are you doing today, buddy? I hope you did not also get caught by a Brian Hartline right hook.
3: No, Brian, I'm not famous enough for Brian Hartline to be in my mentions. Listen, when you've got a Maddie Lane on this podcast, we've, we Maddie has been brought down a peg lately, and he needs to be brought back down. <laughs> this is not fair. Like pe- people coming after Maddie. People have Matty takes about... About his role, about where he. Is.
1: Well, he I ain't on, having that. Hold
3: on, we'll just, I, we'll, I ain't having it.
1: We'll just read the question now, real quick. Adam we'll Richard Six or Andrew Richard Six. When did Matt become Toby? From Toby? The Office? No,
3: <laughs> no. He he's Daryl. If he's anybody, he's Daryl. Hold Maddie on. I, is, I
1: need you to. Ex- I need you to explain that.
3: Because Daryl is the best character on the Office. Is he though? Yes. He absolutely is. He's cool. He works hard. He's a great dad. Like this, these are all Matthew Lane things. So I I am not going to stand for this Matthew Lane slander any longer.
2: I still, I thank you. I appreciate the kind words. I also agree. (laughs) Daryl is one of the best characters on the office, but I like even when Craig's building me up. He wants to push me off into the warehouse away from him and Kent <laughs> nope, no, upstairs. No, no, no. <laughs> you are
3: up in the office. You are up in the office, not warehouse. You are up in the office.
1: Okay. Oh, so so Craig is late season Daryl.
3: Yes. No, Maddie is late season Daryl, not Maddie's Craig. Maddie's
1: late season Daryl. Sorry, Maddie's late season of the office Daryl. That. I mean, look, I, I'm not trying to slander Daryl the character, but to just go out and say he's the best character Just, I found that to be quite the take. There's a lot of takes here flying here in the mailbag, and we'll just get to some of them. Uh, We always start with the five-star reviews. I do want to shout out Ryan07060706. Thank you for the five-star review. It's a very loaded question. It would probably take us 25 minutes to answer. Uh, I really do hope we give you all the substance that you're asking in that question, you know, throughout the next couple weeks. Cause I promise you all that stuff will wind up coming up, but, uh, so shout out to him. Thank you for the nice review. Brian Stewart, 96, uh, just pre-ordered the guide. Anyone who's ever wrote a report before knows that even more work went into that than it already seemed on the surface. Thank you. Well, thank you, Brian Stewart, 96. Uh, by the way, you can pre-order the KC draft guide. So what a fantastic segue you've given us gum.co, Slash KC Draft Guide 21. Promo code LAB gets it to you for eight bucks. L A B. Just so you know. The question Considering realistic available options day by day, who are the three players you most want the Chiefs to come away with from this
3: draft? One for day one, one for day two, one for day three this is actually surprisingly easy for me day one is tevin jenkins offensive tackle out of oklahoma state <laughs> i'm taking I, I i love him he's probably gonna earn a my guy stamp for me as well i i just love watching him play and the chiefs have an obvious need on their offensive line he can probably play tackle he can probably play guard figure it out get a player like that that's that good in building day two a guy that I have fallen in love with recently watching tape, Michael Carter II out of Duke. Day two. He is. Late day two. You want to tell me that I can catch him at the end of round three? This man can play slot. This man has the range to play deep safety. He fulfills multiple roles and allows you to move Legereus' need to the outside. It solves a lot of the holes in your secondary and gives you another versatile piece. He is scrappy like Steve Spagnuolo wants. He is physical. He will tackle. He's an excellent tackler, and he's pretty fluid as well. He is going to fit an athletic profile. He's just not a super long guy, and he's kind of getting overlooked a little bit because he played a little bit of corner. He played a little bit of safety, so you know, teams are probably going to look past him. And then day three, I feel like I'm cheating here because it's a guy that should go much higher than this, but he tore his Achilles in January. Deo yingbo out of Vanderbilt. Ooh. He is... A long Spagnolo edge. He plays with tons of power. He's 270 pounds with freakishly long arms, and he's ridiculously stiff and can't turn a corner. <laughs> so he's definitely a Spagnolo edge. But he played nose tackle for them at times and was great in a phone fo- booth with his lateral agility. He's he's a pretty good technician on the edge. He was supposed to be at the Senior Bowl, but like I said. Torn Achilles, he's probably going to fall. He might have crept into that day two category before the Achilles. Now he's probably going to fall out of that a little bit. I'd be fine with taking him late in day three and stashing him on the roster until 2022. Well,
2: Normally, Brian, a question like this would catch me entirely off guard because it would require a little bit of research. However, right here behind my office chair, I happen to have a whiteboard set up for Maddie's draft crushes in rounds one, two, three, and day three. <laughs> so I will consult the board. Day one, round one. Jalen Phillips, edge rusher out of Miami. <laughs> he's probably the top edge rusher in this draft class for me after Quiddy Pay. And even if he, I could hear the argument that Jalen Phillips is a more skilled player than Quiddy Pay is right now, he's younger, he's a little bit longer. I think you could make a pretty good case that he's the best pass rusher. Yes, there's some medical concerns and some rumored off-field stuff, but I'm not sure how much I buy into that. It's just all about the medicals with him because there is a past of concussions. He did retire from football before transferring to Miami from UCLA but the fact that he was once a number one recruit in the entire country across all of football coming out of high school shows up on the field. He's that special of an athlete. And as a pass rusher, he's a guy that would fit Steve Spagnuolo's system perfectly on day two. Let's go with tight end Tommy Tremble out of Notre Dame. He's has been it. a guy that I think everybody that has watched him lately has come around on. and it's really weird because everyone's falling in love for a guy that has like 22 career catches in his entire college career, the tight end position. but Notre Dame just never threw him the ball. Hold he, he's he's caught a lot of bodies
1: mm-hmm. in the run game.
2: but dumb hey. I guess. And so as Kent alluded to, Notre Dame mostly used him as a blocker. He is one of the best, if not the best blocking tight end in this class. And what's really special is it's not just as an inline blocker. They love to get him out in space and handle defensive backs in the open field to pull around the horn. I mean, he does everything from a blocking standpoint, but then when you see him move out throughout the open field, you might be confused and think you're watching Noah Fant play for Notre Dame again because he's that level of athlete, it looks like, on the field. So he's a guy that's quickly got my attention. And then finally... I'm just going to stick with Notre Dame. Let's give me their left guard, Aaron Banks, as well on day three. He's a massive body, 335 pounds, but he moves well. He's got nice feet. You're not going to confuse him for this perfect outside zone offensive guard. You're not going to pull him on you know long pulls consistently, but he can make every reach block you want. He can climb vertically to the second level. He's a guy that I absolutely would love to get on this team. I think he'd fit the direction the Chiefs are going on the interior offensive line with the size and the power, but still have that functional movement ability to the second level.
1: I hate you, Maddie. Just love you, Kent. Yeah, thanks a lot. Round one, Elijah Vera Tucker. I'm not sure if he's going to be available there, frankly. Uh, he's a guy that played along the interior historically at USC, moved out to tackle this year, held up fantastically excellent athletic profile. I think he's a guy that you let him try at tackle. Uh, I, I honestly, I, I think he'll stick. I don't know if he'll be there, but that's the guy I would be irrationally excited. I was going to go Tommy tremble on day two, but that got lifted. Let's go Ronnie Perkins from Oklahoma. And he's a guy that might wind up falling in between pick 31 and 63 for the chiefs. So a guy that the chiefs really wouldn't be able to take on day two. I think that's, kind of the trajectory of him um i believe somebody mocked him in the top 25 maybe daniel jeremiah mocked him in the top 25 which was a little bit surprising i don't love him that much but um watched him against oklahoma state last week i think and i, I don't think he's got an elite first step but a little bend physical holds the uh you know holds the really strong at the point of attack point of attack Variety of moves. I don't think he threatens the corner enough as an edge rusher to warrant a first round pick. And I think that will limit his ability to develop a pass rush plan at the next level, but there's so much to like about him. And he's a perfect fit uh, as a Steve Spagnolo edge. I'll go David Moore in round three, uh, who might count as two picks because he's so wide. Uh, and he did a really good job playing center. We've talked a lot about him here. Uh, at the senior bowl with his senior bowl performance but I think he's best with the ball in his hands his guard tape isn't as, in, as impressive as what we saw with him at center. I think he's a, a guy that you could develop and turn into a really quality center especially he went he measured in under six uh, two so he's kind of a smaller guy probably need to put the ball in his hands and just let him anchor the middle of your offensive line very good very good player really thought he helped himself a lot that week. Just want the skips asked. Which receiver do you think that she should target round three or later, and why is it Tamori and Terry?
2: <laughs> well, for me, it is not Tamori and Terry, although I think there's some interesting traits to be had there. The skills are still trying to catch up. But I put this question out on Twitter a couple days ago, and I asked Chiefs fans when they would feel comfortable in a redraft of taking Gabriel Davis, a wide receiver, out of UCF that ended his rookie season with 600 yards, seven touchdowns, after being the Buffalo Bills' third or fourth target, and most people said they would like him in round two or round three, so taking Gabriel Davis, who ran a five-five-four at six foot two, two hundred sixteen pounds. How about we bring four, in Seth? Four-five-four.
1: Four. You did it again.
2: Four-five-four. are you confusing six, the people on Twitter, Matthew. Two-two hundred. This isn't, isn't Jalen Ferguson. And here. sixteen pounds why don't we get the better version of him and draft Seth Williams out of Auburn? Also listed at six foot two, two 215 pounds, but he ran a 4'5", flat at the Nike Combine. He was a better player in college than Gabriel Davis was. He brings similar size, but the ability to work on the vertical plane at that size. I think our friend Jake comped the two together when he was watching Seth Williams. He said he reminds him of Gabriel Davis, which is what sparked my Twitter poll. But when I was watching through it, I just think Seth Williams moves better in every direction than Gabriel Davis ever did. Seth Williams would be the perfect X receiver for the Chiefs and give them that red zone target.
1: Let's go. I'm going to go real deep. He's a slot-only guy that I really liked coming out of the senior bowl. I'm going to go with Cade Johnson out of South Dakota State. I think he had a really impressive performance in Mobile, getting a chance to um, go up against talent that he frankly hasn't been able to go up against at such a consistent level. So, he got to go up against a bunch of really talented players for an entire week, and I think he did an admirable job—actually, above admirable job. Um, I thought, you know, from a ability to create separation from the slot, I think he did a really good job against a variety of different body types impressive catch in the football I think he tracks the ball extremely well I think he's actually pretty I want to say physical or tough at the catch point but I think he overcame some challenges there to make some catches and I you know I think that was pretty impressive so there's a lot to like about him he's a slot only guy I don't know if he's a great athlete he's probably a later day three value than a round three guy but I think he's a fun player to, to, to throw into the mix and give Patrick Mahomes, a target
3: underneath that's operating and winning in short areas. I'm going to go with a guy that probably needs a little bit of work, but will be taken before K Johnson, Nico Collins out of Michigan, Uh six, four with crazy long arms. And I know that that's going to excite a bunch of chiefs fans because they want kind of this, this big target that Patrick Mahomes can find in the red zone, be a catch point guy. Except Nico Collins also runs a 4440. So, he is blazing fast, huge player, he needs some development. I he he opted out this past year. We got to see him at the Senior Bowl. We thought he looked pretty good going out there and, you know, going up against those cornerbacks, but he is a player that needs a lot of work on his routes, needs work with his hands getting off press, things like that. Just the typical stuff that you would expect from a day 3 wide receiver but from a traits perspective if the chiefs wanted to keep that amount of speed on the field and get a bigger dude a physical guy that can be a little beefier and stack some corners they would be hard-pressed to find a guy that could fit that role better than nico collins
1: all right, let's jump to some Twitter questions. J.T. Penfield asks, if there's a run on tackles that starts around the early 20s, should the Chiefs consider moving up to snag a guy instead of waiting until rounds two or three to address the position? Um, I you know I think there's going to be a run on tackles. Um, I think you're going to see it. I think the Chiefs should hold off and be patient. I do think that there is value that you're going to be able to find on, on day two, and maybe it's not someone as, that you're as excited about. Maybe it's a guy that... Um, like a, like a a James Hudson that might need a little bit more work or Spencer Brown that might need a little bit more work, but I don't think I want to get too aggressive with this draft. I think there's so much value up and down the board. I don't want to lose any of those picks. And you got to think about, you know, to get up to into the, you know, the twenties in some range, you're probably looking at giving up your third round pick. Uh, so I don't really know if I love doing that, uh, in this class. I think I would just kind of hold off and hope that I can, you know, find value down the board. B.S. Hansen won. What are your thoughts on Tommy Trimble? He seems like a perfect compliment to Travis Kelsey Bloxwell in not totally inept offensively. Do you see him as someone the Chiefs would like, and what round do you project him to go?
2: Well, what do you know? Thanks for reading ahead, Matt. All right, Chiefs fans. I'm going to need you guys to sit down for this one and take a couple deep breaths before you get too excited. Tommy Trimble is going to be this year's George Kittle. Not that he's going to be as good in the NFL as George Kittle. I want to be very clear about this. He's not as good as George Kittle. But he's going to be the tight end that every fan for every team wants their team to take because he's a great blocker and a super athlete that was just grossly misused in college. He's going to get drafted later than whatever his NFL production ends up saying he should have and everyone's going to love it. So with that being said, everybody that watches Tommy Trimble seems to love him that includes draft Twitter, that includes anybody in the national media, you're going to have to take him a lot earlier than George Kittle went in the draft. I think if the Chiefs were to take Tommy Trimble, you would have to take him at the end of the second round. And I think you'd have to be hoping that he gets there because this is a good tight end class, but he might be the second best athlete out of all these guys. He might be the number two athlete behind Kyle Pitts. We won't have the full combine to know for sure, but you can just tell on some of these plays where he's run blocking how he gets out into space so easily and explosively that he's a top-tier athlete. The receiving skills can be taught. He just hasn't been utilized that way. I would love the Chiefs to get him, clearly by the answer of earlier, but he's a guy that you will have to use a premium draft pick to get.
1: Chief England 55, is there any chance we see tight end taken by the Chiefs within the first two days. I wanted to follow both of these up together for the reasons that you just laid out, but please elaborate.
3: Yes, I I think there's a shot that they go a tight end in the first two days. And I think that that might supplant somewhat of a wide receiver weapon early if they decide to do that. I think the Chiefs realize that There is an advantage to 12 personnel with them. Andy Reid likes to run 12 personnel. And this feels a little bit like the running back situation last year, where Andy Reid kind of pieced together that position for a long time and then finally decided, you know what, we're done messing with it. I'm just going to take one high and just be done with the position. Like, that's what we're going to do. I can see them doing that with tight end being frustrated with tight end two, the lack of production. Not that Nick Kaiser was like bad, bad or anything like that, but he wasn't good either. If Andy Reid wants to run a little more 12 personnel, it's not out of the question that he can just decide, hey, guess what? We're going to move Travis Kelsey out wide a little more often. We're going to take a guy like a Trimble, maybe Pat Friermuth, somebody like that. We're going to take a guy that can line up a little more in line and still be able to run good routes. And we're going to base a little more often out of 12 personnel. So I definitely think that that's a possibility.
1: I think they'd have to go day two. If they're going to try to find someone that can make an impact on day one, it's a really weird class. I think personally, I think there's some guys up top that are kind of fascinating, but for variety of different reasons too. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's all over the place. D Johnson 29, which defensive personnel package was the least effective and what could that be attributed to?
3: It's the one you think it's the dime. Um, and it can be attributed to a lot of personnel. Uh, Ben Neiman was poor in the dime. Dan Sorensen did not have his best reps in the dime. Uh, the chief's pass rush, did not get home well with four, and Steve Spagnuolo did not particularly want to blitz often later in games with the dime out there. So it was that position group. Now I know everybody's gonna heart- hear that and go, "Okay, take a linebacker, replace Ben Neiman. We got to do that first and foremost." You know what? That second level's fine if you're getting pressure with four, like the Chiefs did the year before when the dime was actually one of their more successful packages. They just need to get a front four. They can get after the quarterback a little bit better. I think you're going to feel a lot more comfortable about what's on the second level there. But the Chiefs dime defense was really poor this year. All right, we're going to take a break, and we will be back with more of your questions right after this.
0: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team.
1: All right, we're taking your questions from Twitter. And Simu7 reached out and said, what is the most likely Chiefs draft pick that will get Kansas City fans livid the fastest? I love
2: this. I think that the Chiefs' second round pick is going to make the fan base very upset. I don't know exactly what it's going to be. I just have this feeling the Chiefs sit first round pick is going to be something that everybody accepts I don't think you're going to get another running back that is going to tear the fan base into pieces but their second round pick I do think might be one that gets people on their heels a little bit and we've spent this entire podcast talking about Tommy Trimble so I might as well say it again now they're going to take a blocking tight end that has very few career catches in the second round and it's gonna make everybody a little upset at first.
3: I can definitely see that. I could also see the Chiefs drafting a defensive end right off the bat and then spinning around to round two and drafting a tight end or drafting a wide receiver. And the Chiefs fan base losing their minds that they haven't drafted an offensive lineman at 63 yet. So I can see that being the case.
1: Throw a name, though. I want you to throw a name. name.
3: Okay. Let's say they draft uh jason oa uh, in the first round that's even that better might drive some people n- yes. that might drive some people nuts too though right no that's production
2: because there's zero sacks oh, his final year this yes. is fun i'm
1: yeah. enjoying
3: this yeah so it's jason oa <laughs> and then i i just mentioned it and then it's pat Fryermouth, mouth a guy that's not super athletic he's a good fine route runner and a good fine blocker but that's probably a little bit earlier than i would personally like him but through two rounds you don't have an offensive lineman and you've taken two guys that don't have a ton of production one of them's got crazy upside but the other one is just going to kind of be there and be good at his position at tight end two but just be okay
1: all right i'm gonna try to i'm gonna try to Kind of go out. I don't want to say go outside the box a little bit here, but I'm gonna go for a position that we like or that we we would like to see them draft somebody, but maybe goes two or three or goes you know two rounds too early. So I'll go back to Andy Reid and his roots, and I'll say at 63. The Kansas City Chiefs take Brady Christensen, offensive tackle out of BYU. I think I that's about that. two rounds too early. I don't think he's a guy that I would be overly excited about. Uh, oh, Maddie's got a take real quick. Oh, no, this
2: isn't a take. So you finish. I just got another one I want to throw out there since Craig and I both did tight ends. So you finish. Go off with okay. the 26-year-old I okay, so like, tackle. Look, Brady,
1: okay, I don't think Brady Christensen's got the as great of an athletic profile deserving the 63rd pick. I don't think he does particularly well against power. I don't see a ton of upside or a ton of ceiling to him. I don't know if he's an older prospect either because at BYU there's a lot of guys that are typically... Oh, Maddie's shaking. He said yes. He is yes. Sure. He
2: did a two. He's a senior, or and and did a two year mission trip before BYU. Okay. I
3: can't hates him. <laughs> I can't hates him already. You guys. <laughs> it's if you're an old,
1: you're not gonna project. So like that's that's the kind of like that's the kind of pick. They they reach on a tackle two rounds too early. Something crazy like that. What do you got, Maddie?
2: So this is a guy. And I think we all like him, but I could see how this would be a problem again. End of the second round. Chiefs take safety out of UCF, Richie Grant to oh, go no. into a secondary that already has a bunch of safeties. But from my point of view, it makes sense. Because I'm hyped. You can still <laughs> like like I'm Richie crazy Grant. Grant. You can use Juan Thornhill, Tyron Matthew and Richie Grant together and let Legarius Sneed play outside again. It works from my point of view, but I don't think the fan base would love taking another safety early on.
3: Hmm man is- i would love that though man <laughs> steve steve spagnolo would be drooling over that secondary and the versatility back there
1: i got another one i don't know how I- can <laughs> we just do this fun. the rest of the podcast maybe <laughs> Kadarius tony round one. no Oh, nah. you just upset me <laughs> i would be so mad and Kadarius
3: fun. is not a bad player. Don't take that as us thinking that he's a bad player. Or he's not a like bad that.
1: player. I just they they his fit it, with
3: this team. He's,
1: he's a terrible fit. And you can Why, plug in Ron Dale Moore, player.
2: Elijah Moore, any of these guys can go into that exact same spot.
1: Elijah Moore Elijah Moore's a better route runner than Kadarius Toney. Kadarius Tony has better route running traits. I think Elijah Mitch or Elijah Moore is a better route runner. But Kadarius Tony is a gadget player. The Chiefs already have one that they're trying to fix in there, and that a gadget player that really doesn't have a well developed route tree. Like what? Okay, what, how many of those guys can you throw on the same team? I'm sorry, we probably need to move on. Nick Her- uh, Nick Hargis. this is obviously for Craig. Just kidding. <laughs> Which mock tool do you guys all prefer? I like the ability to trade, but feel PFF trade evaluation of draft capital swaps is as realistic as PFF's grades on Frank Clark. Maybe I should read these a little bit more before (laughs) I tend to agree. Uh, I don't really like their evaluation of draft picks, but here's the thing. I think this is, this is the rule of thumb I use just whatever tool you like, whatever you, whatever you're feeling. Um, take the first five guys on the board and just take them off in your mind and just try to operate like that. Don't just look at the first five guys on the board. So you have all of a sudden some randomly Jason O was there in, in the fourth round, you know, just cause randomly the, the, the mock draft simulator that well, of your, of your preference somehow kept one of these guys just take like the first five guys off the board, give yourself a little bit of a challenge. It'll make it a little bit more realistic. Tomas Ramirez, will you take Vaughn? Would you take Vaughn or JJ on the Chiefs?
3: Oh, is that it? Yes. Done. Uh can I sign up for it right now? Both of them. Or either. I don't really care. Chiefs need another defensive end opposite of Frank Clark. A productive one frees up a lot of stuff in their draft capital and their draft needs. Either one of those guys is can come here i know vaughn is probably a little light for steve spagnuolo but he's an excellent pass rusher and they need one of those i would take either one of those guys and i would pay them you know accordingly because i think that they that is so important to this team it would help the defense it would make things a little bit better and insulate you for games that maybe the offense isn't clicking the way that you want it to
2: Daryl from The Office doesn't ride the fence. I will actually pick one, and I will take Von Miller of these two because I think he would cost less than J.J. Watt. I think J.J. Watt is probably safer. I think you are going to get a higher floor from him, especially right now coming off of Von Miller not playing last year. I think Von Miller's ceiling is still probably a little bit higher than J.J. Watt from the last time we saw everybody healthy. Von Miller may still, especially in a situational pass rushing role, be the same Von Miller. J.J. Watt is never going to be the same J.J. Watt that destroyed the league early in his career. I think there's a chance Von Miller still can be that same guy, at least in a specific role. So I would take Von Miller right now over J.J. Watt.
1: Yeah, give me Von too. I, I, both of these guys have had some injury concerns in the past. J.J.'s, I think, is a little bit tougher country boy five six seven chiefs will be aggressive in free agency what would be your definition of aggressive
2: well i said it if the chiefs lost the super bowl i anticipated them being aggressive and for me that simply means i think they will sign at least two guys that are going to be slated in with a very 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 dark pencil to be starters as soon as they're signed Maybe not in Penn because camp injuries always happen. But as close to a lock as it can be, I think they will sign two new players to come in and be starters. I think they will also sign potentially a third player that's going to compete as a starter You know, during camp through the beginning of the year. So I think they are going to spend enough money to go out and get a handful of new starters for this team across the offense and defense. Now, they might not go out there and pay anybody $18 million a year to do it. But I think they will bring in at least two guys that start day one as replacement. They're better than the guys that played there last year.
3: I'm going to say that they're going to have a top tier player that they're going to sign, whether that be wide receiver or defensive end. And I think that they will have... A starter that they sign that's maybe a mid tier guy along the offensive line because they're going to need a veteran presence there. And then I agree. Like, I, I think maybe we'll see like a Sam linebacker or maybe a dime linebacker, something like that, that's a guy that's not going to be more than just a rotational role in this team. So I think that they will spend at three spots that will play significant snaps. And I think one of them is probably going to be big. I think they're going to be that level of aggressive because they lost the Super Bowl.
1: I think they're going to go out and try to get a blue chip. I think that's what aggressive ultimately means with me. Building the roster with some of these guys and some of these rosters, some of these mid-level rosters, sure. I think going out and acquiring a blue chip Would be or trying to acquire would be the definition of aggressive to me. Like, I mean, hey, let's bring a Rob home. He's never he may have never been in Kansas City, but it's home now. Uh, Wasted motion. How excited are you if the Chiefs first salvo of free agency is Trent Williams? Give me the pros and cons.
2: If the Chiefs sign Trent Williams, I think I'm excited and it makes sense. He's a guy that would come in. He would improve your play at left tackle from Eva over a healthy Eric Fisher. So like, that's what you're happy about. You're happy that you got better at left tackle as a rug blocker, as a pass protector. And you are now filling this need with Eric Fisher not able to play next year. You are filling it with an immediate player. You don't have to go address it in the draft. You feel good. The cons are He's expensive. He's not particularly young, so it's a short-term Band-Aid. And then you do always have the looming thing with his health issues that might prevent him from being able to play at some point in time, might shorten his career that probably doesn't have a ton of time left as is. I don't know if this is the move if I were the Chiefs that I'd want to make. I do feel like he would make a lot of sense. It's just I would almost play the longer game a little bit rather than signing him for just a year or two to fill in while you have to wait and draft somebody else.
1: Steve Gray Jr., how would you address offensive tackle this offseason free agency and draft under the worst case
3: scenario of no Schwartz or Fisher? Man, that's tough because this free agents free agency class is top heavy with, with uh Trent Williams. Russell Okung's out there, Alejandro Nueva is out there, but then after that, like it falls off a cliff and it's Old, there's not a ton of guys that are young, blue chip guys that you want to spend money on, so it's really rough from a free agent standpoint to try and fill that offensive tackle spot. I think that they're gonna stick, I think that they're gonna try and fill one of those spots with a guy that's in house, whether or not that's Martinez Rankin, Yasir Durant. Like, I it, there's a couple of guys in there that they like but i do think in that situation if both of those guys are missing that you can really slate the chiefs as being aggressive in going and getting getting an offensive tackle early in this draft class because i think you have to have a starter and you can't wait until day 2 and try and catch a guy to band-aid and put patrick mahomes upright for the beginning of the year i think you have to be aggressive and go after a guy early so if that's the case and they're trying to play in free agency and draft, I just don't see a major free agency addition, and they're going to be aggressive in the draft. Is
1: that a situation where they have to trade up, you think? Yes, I think
3: so. I I think out of uh, desperation? I I mean, honestly, yeah. Because let's say you miss out on the first couple tiers of offensive tackles. I know that that's a lot of offensive tackles going off the board, but you miss out on that first tier. Now all of a sudden – you're probably no better to start the year than you were at the end of this past year, and that is terrifying.
1: Yeah, I mean, I th- this is where it gets interesting because Fisher's probably not going to be available to start the season. Nope. And we don't know what's going to happen. It's like the beginning of the year could ultimately wind up being no Fisher or Schwartz. It's just how long do you have to navigate that for, and what do you try to do to navigate it for the time being? It's going to be fascinating. This is going to be such an interesting off season. Uh, and here's the other thing. If you work to address Eric Fisher in the left tackle spot, you're probably just moving on from Eric Fisher, you know, because I mean, you, you can't make a commitment at your left tackle. And then, you know, you, you, that means you're cutting him probably. Right. It's going to be interesting, man. I can't wait. Jayhawk 1108. Brett Veach loves snagging underperforming players on other teams who he had highly graded in past drafts. If you were Veach, who would you grab if you were able to trade a 6th or a 7th from 2022 draft capital? Predictions. Maddie changes the criteria. Craig gets a corner with an awesome CBAT score. And Kent takes an offensive lineman. Well, I, I we're not all going to answer that one. Um, so here's the thing. like Some of these underperforming players that Veach ultimately acquires, it's normally guys that are released. I think he really does a, jo- a good job and likes to play the released market. Uh, to try to find value. Taco Charlton was a guy that was released, and uh, the Chiefs ultimately brought him in, uh, and, and I think he earned himself some opportunity before the injury. Definitely, like there was, you know, we'll see it. I mean, I wouldn't hate the Chiefs bringing back a Taco Charlton. So I think it's just, I think ultimately the ph- ph- philosophy around what he does, trying to identify that value, is basically playing off the guys that are ultimately cut. And right now, it's not even trading picks. It's just trying to find value in the guys that ultimately get released. And he's typically very much in those markets, especially if he ever graded them. You know, he really likes guys that he had a high grade on. I think part of his philosophy is betting on and believing in him and his team's ability to evaluate talent. And the reason it didn't work was because he, some other, someone else was in the wrong situation. Cody Pino asks, Assuming compensation is the same, would you rather trade for Orlando Brown... Having to extend him or trade up for Elijah Vera Tucker.
3: Ooh, yeah, See, I, I, I think it's Elijah Vera Tucker for me, and obviously Orlando Brown has the bigger impact, and he's already proven himself at the NFL level. But that is why he's going to cost twenty-two million dollars a year. And frankly, I, I mean, I'm, I'm all about investing in this offensive line, but that's a steep price to pay for a tackle in this good of a tackle class. If I can trade up for Elijah Vera Tucker, I think that I'm very happy with that decision. I can move him around a little bit. If Eric Fisher proves that he's healthy, you've got an excellent guard. You can probably move to right tackle as well. So he's a guy that can be moved around a little bit and you feel kind of comfortable with him. I would take the stab at the young guy, like try and develop him keep him in house he's got you know low cost potential for the first five years of his contract versus having to pay a guy 22 million dollars on top of trading let's say a first and a third or something like that that's an expensive contract as we all know from the frank clark deal damon Cizak
1: asks sam cosme or dylan Raidens for the left tackle position matthew
2: That's kind of a tough choice. I mean, if I'm sitting here looking at both of those guys available at 31, passing on both of them would be kind of bold. Right now, I definitely have Sam Cosme as a higher grade for me at the offensive tackle position. Just the issue is his footwork is really bad right now. He essentially doesn't slide into his set at all he's either straight up backpedaling or quick setting somebody every single play but that's because that's all texas asked out of him so you will have to fix that at the next level can you do that in one off season can you not and what's it look like if he's still in that process whereas i do think dylan radunes could come in start maybe a little bit better early on he could be a competent player from jump street I still think there will be some growing pains with him as well. He's a guy to me that just tries to do just enough to stay in the way rather than dominate the rep. And I think for the Chiefs' particular passing scheme, I don't know if that'll always work. Patrick Mahomes likes to drop deep. He likes to hold the ball a little bit longer than average. I don't know if Radunes will be the best fit for that. So for that reason, I would take Cosme. You just have to realize that year one's going to be a little bit of a learning curve.
1: SoCal1186, what is the best position to target in free agency versus the draft? It's kind of a weird way to approach this, but I actually would think about for the Chiefs targeting the wide receiver market. It's a very deep class here in free agency, and I think the best chance and the best like, I think this is a chance for the Chiefs to get good value and a guy that can step in immediately and help this team. That doesn't mean I wouldn't approach the draft as well, but I think you could if you could get a good veteran in here in the mix to play immediately, you can find value on day three in the wide receiver class still too, but go out and get somebody a, a, at the wide receiver, get a pass catcher, a, a guy that's going to step in day one and be a consistent contributor, um, a, be a, a quality third target for this team. Uh, because I think one of the things that they they need moving forward is you know someone that like Sammy Watkins who is consistent on a week to week basis to help this football team move forward. And Russell, 2018, how does how do you guys feel about Charles Snowden? Uh, that's the linebacker out of Virginia, by the way, as a mid round developmental pick at linebacker.
2: I have no problems taking Charles Charles Snowden in the middle of day three. You're going to bring him in. You're going to ask him to play as your Sam linebacker. The issue, I mean, just the one qualm that I have is he's not going to be able to replace what Reggie Ragland gave you two years ago. I don't even know if he's going to be able to do what Damian Wilson did for you. He's not that physical run-thumping, block-taking-on kind of player. He's very long He's probably more athletic than those guys, so he's a little bit better in his... Co- looks better moving in space to so his coverage drops. I will never, ever say Reggie Ragland is not good in coverage. We will all remember Ragland as the best coverage linebacker this team has seen under Steve Spagnolo. Ever. In
3: two years. <laughs>
2: So yeah, but I I think Snowden is a little bit better coverage player from an athletic profile than both Damien Wilson or Reggie Ragland would be. He's definitely a better pass rusher if you wanted to use him as a little bit more of a situational pass rusher. It's just it looks like the Chiefs are looking for more thumpers at that Sam linebacker position. And while Snowden can do that a little bit, it's just not what his strongest suit is. So you would definitely have to utilize him in a different way to get the most out of him. But I mean, I wouldn't be mad in the middle rounds. He's a good athletic, athletic prospect that you could make a find a way to make him fit.
3: Take Derek Barnes instead. Ooh,
2: baby. I like that. I
1: like that a lot. Uh, Charles Snowden, elite teammate at the Senior Bowl. Charles Snowden's good. He's good at football. But and an elite I, yeah. teammate. I'm just adding the elite teammate part. He was handing out bottles of water constantly because he could not participate. And I really appreciated that about him. And he was giving pointers and helping, you know, try mm-hmm. to talk through some stuff with some guys. So I really did appreciate that about Charles Snowden. Take Buddy you know, Johnson over both. All right, that's enough, Maddie. That's going to do it for the AP Laboratory. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back later in the week and the draft show's on Wednesday. Be sure to check out everything going on on the Arrowhead Pride podcast channel. Appreciate y'all. Catch you later.